0: Season 3, episode 40. Wait, you guys have a time travel device? A working one? Put me through it. Season 2, episode 19. It's the hero's journey of comics. Is this the adventure you've planned for me? Braving the winding road of geekdom.
1: I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin.
0: Sharing our advice. We believe that his example could inspire. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy. And exposing our mistakes. This is all going to end badly.
2: Everybody has an agenda.
1: Welcome to the Show Me Comic Welcome back to the Show Me Comic Cast. I'm Tim Pickerell, digital media producer for Show Me Comics, and
0: I just time traveled back from season three, episode forty, to be here. So I'm a little woozy in the head, but I think my name's Logan Taylor, and <laughs> I do writing for ShowMeComics.com and Schnickety Schnick.
1: How many blog posts do we have in, by season three, episode forty?
0: The same as now.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I'm Sam Richardson, artist illustrator. And I am not in prison, which is a good thing.
0: That is good. You must have got that warrant settled, huh?
2: <laughs> <laughs> three of them, actually.
0: Did you fight the law and the uh, law won?
2: In many ways. Actually, over the past couple months, I was getting sued by two different companies. I was in trouble with the government, and I had three warrants out for my arrest. So. Well, you
0: shouldn't have shot Liberty Valley. <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty stressed out there for a while. <laughs> Were the Sentinels going to come get you? <laughs> Well, anyway, um, other than Sam's legal problems, what we wanted to talk about today was kind of X-Men Days of Future Past a little bit, a semi-analyzing a great work, but not just the movie and not just that storyline, but how about the X-Men in general? They are such a powerhouse in the world of comics uh, that we thought it was worth taking time in an episode to just, you know, do the nostalgia thing and uh, talk about... What part X-Men's played in our lives and uh, why it's good, why it's bad, what you can learn from it.
1: Sounds well, good to me. What do you
0: think? Should
2: we get the movie out of the way first or just just X-Men in general? Because I think a lot, of the, there, a there, a lot there. of the listeners are going to want to hear what we thought about the movie.
0: Well, I can tell you what I thought about the movie. What did you think of the movie? Since I'm from the future where we no longer have movies because <laughs> the Movie Registration Act made sure that nobody could have movies,
1: I haven't seen it. So does that mean Apocalypse never came out?
0: Nope. Damn. So what about you guys, though? You both saw it, right?
1: I saw it.
2: Yeah. Obviously I, I Sam must have seen it. I saw it opening night, and uh, I will say I think that it's the best X-Men film that has been made yet. I will that's go... That's not
0: saying much. No, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, the, some of the X-Men movies are pretty rough, but I will agree. I think, uh, I think Days of Future Past is my favorite one.
0: I haven't heard a bad word about it.
1: Right.
2: I think, uh, like... I've heard some. I thought First Class was a step in the right direction for sure,
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, because there were some pretty bad X-Men films there past (laughs) X-Men (laughs) 1, past X-Men the animated series, (laughs) Uh, you know, and I I like their attempt to... uh, I don't know, I heard they were going to fix some of the continuity errors, and... uh,
0: you in
1: the movies
0: or in the comic comic continuity or
2: In the uh, movie the continuity. Movie, yeah,
1: movie continuity. And
2: I'm not sure how much that it fixed the problems. There are a few that may have come from the movie. But still overall I i really liked uh I liked what they did with it. It was it still captured the spirit of what the comic version of Days of Future Past was about. And I think you know, obviously they change things. They do that in comic book movies and uh I don't think that anything they changed had any, you know, real dramatic effect on altering it from the comic book version.
0: So if the goal was to capture the spirit, and that's what people wanted to see, what can our audience learn? What was that spirit?
2: Uh, I just the, the basic plot, it was still there. You know, from the, I know in the comic book, uh...
1: They just shuffled some characters, really.
2: Right, right. It's like there's a few characters that may not have, uh... It may have been a different uh, character in the movie that did a certain plot point than from the comic book, but overall, this the story was still there. It so was there's, entertaining. There's
1: pretty much three tellings of this story at this point. There's the original comic book from... When, when did that storyline hit? The 70s? 1902.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was in 1902, but then Jordan went into the past and heard this, and then he went into the 1970s or 1978 and sold the idea to Chris Claremont, and he co-
1: totally screwed it up. <laughs> <laughs> then there's the 90s cartoon
2: version. The ni- Actually, the 90s cartoon version is not very true to... No, it's based loosely off of what was happening in the comics at the time. At the time. Yes. In the 90s, they, they, they've went back in the comics and they've kind of retouched on the whole Days of Future Past story a few times. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, like the basic premise to the original comic is that... Um, Kitty Pride uh, gets sent by Rachel Summers back in time, and uh, she's supposed to prevent an assassination of the president by uh, I think Mystique?
1: Yeah. I think it's still Mystique.
2: And since then, there, every few years, the X-Men comics, from that point, would retouch on that idea. Like uh, There was a few years after that that Rachel Summers It gets sent back into the past. She's the one that actually comes back, but Mm -hmm. she gets stuck there, and I think she becomes like a team member. And then in the 90s, whenever Bishop was created, and that's a lot of what the animated series was playing off of, was the the, the comic storyline that Bishop was involved with that somehow came with Days of Future Past. It gets really convoluted and crazy. but
0: You can definitely tell the 90s was based on 90s comics just by the amount of belts and pouches and things. (laughs) So so when
2: you look at the whole history though of the Days of Future Past storyline, You can see where the movie tried to touch on all the different um, alterations that the comic books made over the past few decades and tried to mold it into one story that would make sense to a mainstream
0: audience. So that might be something that we touch on right there is just, uh, I think we kind of did this something similar with our comic, right? Like, we've always told you in the past that there was a previous iteration. Right. And what we did was we tried to take the old elements, but add the new elements and kind of morph it together
2: right because we look back and say hey even though we were young kids and a lot of it was ridiculous there was still a really cool when when you got down to the the basic premise of it there was something really neat there at the heart of the story the the thing with comic books and comic book movies and this is an example of it is i mean you're looking at you're looking at a comic book that has what 40 some odd years of history to it where these characters have been there's so many different places that their stories are weaved in and out and so many things that have changed and different artists have done this interpretation and other writers done that interpretation. And the, uh, the comic book fans that complain about the movies tend to forget about that. Yeah. Like with Spider-Man, I mean, you're talking a character with 50 years of history and he's been through all these things. If we were talking real time, like Peter Parker would have to be like, you know what 80 90 years old by now and he would have had like a trillion different things going it's like you can't represent all that in a in a 90 minute or a two-hour film you know same thing with the x-men so at some point you got to go okay let's either streamline a lot of these different alterations that writers took over the years or uh you just take the bits that we think is going to be the most entertaining to the audience streamline the crap out of and put it out there and if the uh if the comic book for fans don't get it or hate it, well, that sucks, but you've only got so much you can do with a million different things from their history. If that makes sense.
0: That does make sense. Well, let's move into full X-Men love fest, all right? <laughs> Which is where we just kind of... Um, you know, it's almost like we're analyzing the Great Work episodes, but instead we just want to kind of analyze the phenomenon that right. is the X-Men. Mm-hmm. And one thing that you said there was there's so much history. For me, I think what makes the X-Men really fun and really continue to work is you take like spider-man or batman you know or any of those things and it has a tendency to kind of have the feel of been there done that right because yeah. batman's always batman not really <laughs> like <they've had laughs> other people do it, but you know what i mean like right. there's always a batman whereas x-men started out as a team right and nobody was the star So people could rise and fall in prominence in the X-Men, and that created new stories like, hey, Cyclops is leading the team for this run. Oh, there's no Professor Xavier for this run, you know, and all the different stuff, the stories that that creates.
1: I haven't been keeping up with the comic books that well, but I heard this version of the X-Men that they're currently running is all female. There's no men in the X-Men right now. Well, then it seems like a misnomer.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know about that. I haven't read any current issues. But uh, yeah, and the other thing about the X-Men, um, and of course this is totally just my opinion, but like you said, it's it's not just one person, it's an entire team. But to me, I, I've always said this was the most well-written team story comic book that I've ever seen in... In this, for, in comic books like the Justice League, the Avengers, Fantastic Four, yeah, cool, but they didn't deal with a lot of the stresses and a, a lot of the relationship problems. with the X that the X Men writers always dealt with, um, and, a, and a really cool thing I always thought was, you know, what Stanley did when they were first created, which was kind of took what was going on in the '60s with a lot of the, uh, you know, racism and social issues, and said, hey, let's do that same thing, but let's make them mutants let 's deal with all the the hatred and the uh, the bias you know that people of other races and nationalities and other cultures have to deal with, and let 's just portray this, but as these mutants but show all the problems they have to go, even though they're these huge heroic figures with superpowers, they 're still hated by mankind, and how does that affect them and I always thought that was really cool, and the other part, like I said, just the team dynamics, a lot of how they dealt with uh, like the 1970s x men with uh, it was like Nightcrawler and Colossus and Kitty Pride and Wolverine and all of them. Like how they made those characters interact. Like each each person was like a uh, like a limb to this 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 monster creature. Like they did a really good job of connecting them all together.
0: You know, that's really interesting that you talk about the different teams. So one thing that I found is it's kind of like uh, you know people who. Uh, so let's think about... Let's use Batman as an example so I can keep going back to the well. But, you know, people are like, oh, the the black suit with the yellow bat symbol? That's not my Batman. My <laughs> Batman's the gray suit, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. You know? I think you get that with the X-Men, too, where it's like the specific team, the group of members, they're like, that's the X-Men. Oh, yeah. yeah. When it's got these other... When it's got Jubilee, that's not my X-Men, you know, so I'll you sound ask like you, my dad. I'll, I'll ask you, uh, who's your X-Men, like just your favorite core group of like, let's say three or four X-Men, who, who defines the X-Men for you?
1: For me, I guess, so my introduction to the X-Men, my dad used to collect comics, he had X-Men number five, so I remember reading that a few times, and then around 1991, they relaunched the X-Men. Uncanny X-Men had been running for a while, but they relaunched the X-Men title. So for me, out of that first issue that captured me, X-Men number one, 1991, I think it was. It's the X-Men blue team with Cyclops, Beast, Gambit. Uh, That's Psylocke. Storm. Psylocke. Storm was gold team. Which is how much of a nerd I am. I know which team they. Are. <laughs> but um, it was awesome. Yeah, but I, I it think, was think awesome. I of, and Rogue.
2: Yeah, at the time it was like it. it might still hold the record mm-hmm. for being like the uh, the highest selling comic book of all time.
1: X Men number one. Yeah, whenever one. they
2: released X Men one, like that shattered every record. i got like and I five think copies it, of it. Yeah, I think it still is like the number one selling comic ever. And it helped at those incredible covers and interior
0: art were done by the man Jim, Jim Lee <laughs> alright Sam so before you start drooling over Jim Lee uh, who's your <laughs> x men that's funny because Tim's is my second
2: my first is the uh, that late 70s early 80s the uh, Nightcrawler Colossus Kitty Pride, Wolverine Cyclops and uh, just the very end of Jean Grey as Dark Phoenix and it's funny because that's my favorite and like I said my second favorite was the 90s version that Tim pointed out uh, both of those were written by the same guy, and it was Chris Claremont. Mm-hmm. Chris Claremont had to have like one of the longest runs as a writer on a comic book ever. Longest
0: good run, Yeah, too, like you know?
2: excellent run. The, those, that are, those original, uh, what they call like, the new X-Men at the time, um, and t- I'm not sure when it was that Chris Claremont finally stopped writing X-Men. It was probably sometime mid-'80s, but then he came back onto the book in the 90s and had like another really long run, and it was with that team, so I mean to me that just shows like how well that guy understood that team and how well they yeah. put them all together
0: so my X-Men is the cartoon like the cartoon got me introduced to the X-Men before um before anything else which is
1: the 1991 comic
0: but for me I had specific ones that I, that I liked you know like yeah. really Beast I could have taken her leaving yeah have taken her left him you know okay um, Gambit kind of the same way, but I really liked Rogue. Rogue was always one of my favorite X Men. I just thought uh, she was really cool. Um, how I and apparently I found this out later, but I guess she absorbed like Captain Marvel's powers or right. something. Yeah, that's how she and that's fly. why she was super strong and could fly. But I'm like, she's super strong and she can fly, but every once in a while she busts out that you know, absorbing powers trick, you know, and it was a really good plot device. It made her more than just a rock'em, sock'em robot. Um, And then also the fact that she was so tortured that she wanted love but could never have physical love. That was really interesting. Plus, you throw in the southern accent and the big old hairspray hair. (laughs) And uh, I don't know, she was my favorite. So the reason I mention her is when the movies came out, I was like, that's not my road. <laughs> this is not <laughs> right. my X-Men. I don't I like that. this. I'm like, she has straight hair and she's emo? What the heck <laughs> is going on here? And she's like 12 years old? I'm out of here. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it felt very personal about my X-Men.
2: It's it's funny. We talk about X-Men, and, and a lot of times I always point out like how comic book fans uh, have this hatred for anything mainstream or cool, but... That ninety one X Men and that cartoon is what really started bringing comic books to the mainstream. I, I think it
0: really was the start.
2: As a kid, whenever I was really really young, and I was into like Spider Man and Batman, all these comic books, nobody read that. I didn't have any friends that were like, yeah, you know, did you see what Spider Man did? And that nobody cared about comic books. Yeah, there was no
0: Saturday morning uniting.
2: And and thing. in the early nineties, I had everybody, you know. Dude, Wolverine. I would see Wolverine lunchboxes and Wolverine this, and all of a sudden, kids that I knew had no interest in comic books that didn't like anything from my world I liked Wolverine.
1: Yeah, you had that. Mm-hmm. You had the X Men and the Batman Animated series right around the same time. Right. They started making comic yeah.
0: book properties cool. But uh, the other thing that. You know, Batman, again, those solo titles don't have. They don't have that team dynamic. Right. X-Men was like the WWF of comics, you know? <laughs> it was just like tons of characters. you well, you need and a new, uh, a conflict. Yeah, and they, all the different storylines of conflict, it was almost soap, soap opera-like oh, in yeah. a lot of ways. And then it was like, bam, you need a new character? Hey, let's get him now.
1: I mean, bamf.
2: Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, bamf. You need a new character? Schnicked, here comes one. <laughs> yeah.
2: And from an artist standpoint, I mean, they've had some of the best of all time that have drawn that book. You've had Jack Kirby up to Neil Adams and John Byrne and uh, Barry Windsor Smith and Jim Lee and uh, one of my all-time favorites, which was Art Adams. In fact, that's oh, yeah. when we talked about like what originally attracted us to X-Men, I remember in the late 80s, I saw a poster... In one of my Spider Man magazines or whatever, and it was this full out there had to be twenty X Men on the page, but it was drawn by Art Adams, and the way that he drew that I was like, That is awesome. I've got to see more than he had Shadow Cat. It was just something the way that he drew all of his figures and he had like a run in the eighties. So I mean it's one of my all time favorite artists, but they've had so many good people that have worked on that book.
0: So talking about the phenomenon of it becoming popular and especially with kids, it's confession time who played the game what powers would you have if you (laughs) had X-Men powers? (laughs) Did you ever think about, oh, I want his powers, but I'll mix it with those other powers. (laughs) Don't lie to me. You guys all fantasized about having X-Men powers, didn't you? (laughs) Yeah, sure.
2: The same amount of time that you fantasized about (laughs) (laughs) X-Men.
1: Uh. I guess even though he's like probably my least favorite X-Man for a power, I as a kid I wanted Cyclops. Oh yeah, yeah, Cyclops is a good choice. However, now that I'm an older man, I want Wolverine's regeneration.
0: <laughs> <laughs> See, even though it wasn't a part of my X-Men, I always thought Colossus's thing was pretty cool, just being able to transform your body into, you know, nothing could happen oh, yeah. to you basically. Yeah. Plus, he was ripped. <laughs> yeah, He was going to be one of my Everybody choices. Everybody was ripped. Yeah, but blonde. he was big and ripped.
2: You know, as a kid, when you see, oh, this is big, hulking figure who's super strong. As a kid, that's always something like that's awesome. But it was like, whenever he wasn't Colossus, whenever he was. He was only Pietro. He was tall. He was only this, this, he was tall, this so quiet, artistic guy that liked <laughs> yeah. to paint, and he was in love with a thirteen-year-old girl. Like, how did you get away with that? But I, I guess it wasn't a big deal in the seventies that he was like twenty, and Shadow Cat was thirteen, <laughs> and he was into painting, and he could He's turn European, super hard, dude. <laughs> like, <It's laughs> where European, are they getting man. At? <laughs> But I think, as far as mine, it'd probably have to be Psylocke. There's something about that side dagger that she could create in her hand and jab into
0: people's heads. <laughs>
1: Sam just pictures that at and work all the time. Just I did always kind of like pink blade. <laughs>
0: Gambit's power where he could just make anything into an explosive, you know? But
2: he, but he just chose playing cards.
0: <laughs> well, Lame. I would always like it when he wouldn't use it like as a missile, but he'd use it as like a time bomb. That's yeah. what I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, he it's just, like,
1: like <laughs> brush his finger across something and walk away. Hey,
0: Mom, Jordan won't let me have a drink of that soda. Oh, you want a drink of that soda? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go. I have the whole thing. <laughs> oh, thanks.
1: Boom! Hey. I was a big fan of Gambit's dexterity more than his kinetic his tongue's man. dexterity maybe <laughs> i don't know what that means but yeah. you just like gambit because he was
0: rogue's boyfriend <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i was you're a, like unlike rogue i can't touch this Here we go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no i was a big gambit fan as a kid i, I still i still like gambit
0: <laughs> you like this <laughs>
1: this is a family show what are you <laughs> doing
0: Oh, Remy the you, you, you can cut that out. I'm not gonna, but... You know, his name means handsome, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Remy oh, the Handsome.
2: Jordan, you're looking pretty Remy the Blue today. <laughs> <It's a little laughs> I'm glad it
1: means that and not good father.
0: <laughs> all right, so now that this has completely gotten off the rails... Well, actually, it turned into more of an X-Men love Fest than we had <laughs> anticipated. Um, all right, let's try to think, what can our audience learn about the richness and the handsomeness of the X-Men that obviously Tim likes so much. <laughs>
2: Just make sure that the, uh, the relationship of your characters, uh, not only is logical and makes sense, but that it, what they do has an impact on each other. If one person does right. one thing, it can impact, you know, an entire group. It, uh, it has a reaction Well, I
0: like how they had even relationships with the villains.
2: Right. You know, a lot of
0: the villains weren't just villain of the month, knock them down. It's like the history that they accrued with the villains was part of the ongoing story. Maybe
1: this story arc doesn't have Magneto as a villain.
0: Right. Right. The Hellfire
2: Club, man, what they do at the Hellfire Club. Those were villains that were visited... Quite often, and they they had an insane backstory, and in how often they were trying to recruit members of Xavier School to come to theirs, and like right.
0: Well, here's one last thing I'll kind of touch on is so why are we talking about the X Men and we're not talking about Alpha Flight? <laughs> <laughs> I'm being I'm being serious. So why did that one team you know really good? And there's been plenty of superhero teams. So why the X Men? You know, with no. You can think of it as no A-list stars. You know, they started out with no A-list stars, so...
1: I can't... Well, number one, I don't remember ever reading an Alpha Flight comic because it never had the same exposure that X-Men did, even though it was kind of in the same universe. But I can't even picture... Except for the, well, it didn't uh, have any rage. Yeah, it's pretty. And I think it's pretty easy. It's, the
2: characters weren't interesting. They were not nearly as interesting as the X Men. And Think about so it. The first it interesting the character. The first interesting character. And I don't care if this was for uh, shock or not. The first time anybody paid attention to Alpha Flight was because of North Star. Yep. And doesn't matter where your social was. Your social or political values lie. I mean that. That made him interesting that Mm -hmm. finally there's an Alpha Flight story that's not just some boring, lame, generic stuff about mutants and trying to uh, grab a little bit off the X-Men coattails. Like, North Star finally made Alpha Flight interesting. Unfortunately, they didn't really do anything else to follow that up. But uh, it comes down to you have to have interesting characters, and uh, Alpha Flight characters are
0: lame. So what makes Alpha Flight lame and X-Men interesting? Uh, just that there's nothing that separates the characters um, except
1: the Canadian border <laughs> yeah
2: except that um, and the team dynamics the relationships they have again until North Star came along <laughs> but I mean nothing they really did are you saying they should other. do a but North Star since...
0: Gambit crossover
2: <laughs> hey, I'm surprised they haven't I'd watch that
0: <laughs> <laughs> we know you would um, so I don't know X-Men are pretty cool <laughs> Uh, But I also think that they kind of filled a vacuum that needed to be filled. And then all those other teams afterwards were like, why do we need Outflight? We have X-Men. Right. You know? Yeah. So I don't know. You guys have any additional thoughts about the X-Men and women?
2: Yeah. um, To go along with them being interesting, is no member in the group is Superman. Like I said, they all are kind of like the... Each one is kind of a limb that makes up this big monster, but not one is... Okay, Well, okay, maybe excluding Wolverine, because he <laughs> became incredible. But even Wolverine... Uh, I shouldn't say he's not Superman, because I guess he kind of is, because he can never die. He's got adamantium skeleton... But, uh, oh,
0: well, his personality is more interesting than Superman. Definitely,
2: definitely. But when you look at all the other members, none of them had like a trillion different powers. They had their one power and they served the group, but they had to be a, a collected group to be uh, to be powerful. Where you take like the Justice League and the Avengers, really the whole dynamic to those teams was that, hey, we've got Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Captain, we've got all the best yeah. in one setting. You know what I'm saying? Like, Well, each one of them can be awesome on their own. Right, you just threw them all together to try to sell a book. Where with the X Men, like
0: it's like Neapolitan ice cream. Like I don't need all those uh, mixed together. Yeah, exactly. I could cream. eat chocolate on my own. I don't like I could strawberry eat at all. Right.
2: With the X Men, though, it's like. But the X Men's more the cream and the yeah you know,
0: sugar and o- outside of Wolverine, nobody was
2: cream. really gonna read a Nightcrawler story on its own or a Cyclops in his own series. Like you like them all together as a group, and they kind of fit together, in that way. Well, now I want ice cream.
0: <laughs> so, actually, I heard the same thing, that it was a big praise for Days of Future Past, was that when they fought, they actually fought as a team. Like, it did a good job of highlighting.
1: There was there were some yeah. good uh, fight scenes within Days of Future Past. Yeah, definitely. You didn't have one person
2: that just goes on. Even Wolverine was.
1: Yeah, you didn't have separate yeah. uh-huh. he was put in his
2: own little box. Which uh, I don't know if this would be considered a spoiler or not, but uh, one of the things that a lot of fans, when uh, whenever it was first told to the public that Wolverine was the one going back in time, everybody, oh, that's it. It's going to be another Wolverine film. And really, after you've seen it, you learn Wolverine. Really not. He's not the main character. Mm-hmm. They because they actually did the more logical thing, which is well, Wolverine's the only one that would have been able to actually survive, survive this yeah. trip back. But I mean, he's not the main character. He was just uses so. There's not one person in the movie that just goes on a tear and rips everything up, and they're
0: the main hero. Well, speaking of ripping things up, I think it's time for forced reps. Let's say
2: you drain your biceps. Blood is rushing into your muscles, and that's what we call the pump. Your muscles get a really tight feeling, like your skin is going to explode any minute. You know, It's really tight. It's like somebody blowing air into into your muscle. It just blows up, and it feels different. It feels fantastic.
0: All right. So for this week's forced reps, I think I have a good riding one. All right. Um, what I want you to do is come up with uh let's say six characters on a good team and six characters on an on a villain team right all right just come up with real quick character sketches and then shuffle them together three and three into two completely new teams and then write a short story about that all right. see see how those unexpected combinations because you can try to plan it out but it's going to be unexpected because you have to shuffle them up so try to work on that team dynamic by getting immediate conflict between uh, villains and heroes
2: Uh, my exercise for the artist is to uh, draw a picture with four, four characters all of them on the same page and uh Show the uniqueness in each one. Show how each character could complement the other. Uh, show how their colors, you know, in contrast can compare. And try to keep it so that they're still a unit, but each one's an individual. Each one plays off the other one. The size difference, the power difference, the costume difference, but something that unites each one of them.
0: Sounds good to me. All right, well, on behalf
1: of. On behalf of myself, Sam and Jordan, we're Show Me Comics. Thank you for listening. And if you enjoy the show, subscribe on iTunes, give us a rating and a review. And, Channing Tatum, since you're playing Gambit now, give me a call.
0: Ugh. Ugh. There's so many things wrong with that. Favorite movie ever G.I. Joe Retaliation, because Channing Tatum dies. Spoiler. Sam. <laughs> Sam- And if you don't have your
2: copy of our comic book, Hafu, the graphic novel, make sure you pick up one right now at showmecomics.com. It's only $9.99 plus $3 shipping and handling. Or if you don't feel like paying that much and you've got a digital reader and you've got Comixology, you go on Comixology right now and search Hafu and you can buy us digitally and put it right on your uh, digital reader. Also, make sure that if you're on Facebook, you like us at Hafu Graphic Novel and follow us on Twitter at showmecomics.
0: And if you're in the North Carolina area, in what two weeks from now? Um, yeah, a little under two weeks. Yeah, the weekend of the twentieth through the twenty second. Come down to Heroes Con, where the Show Me Comics Men, not the X Men, but the Show Me Comics Men, will be there in full force. We will be united, and we will deliver you great products, awesome fun in-your-face conversations, in-our-face conversations.
2: That's right. And we're going to be there just like we were at Wizard World St. Louis, rocking it like a hurricane. So make sure you stop by our booth and you get a copy of the comic or just get a free sketch or just stop and talk with us because Jordan will be more than happy to ask you what she thought about the Ninja Turtle film. About That's the right. days of future past. <laughs> Anything you want to talk about? And this Sam guy will be
1: there to run over Jordan sentences. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but
0: but if you're looking for Tim and you're thinking of cosplaying his Gambit, don't come because Tim's not Tim's gonna not be going be to be there. So you can cosplay as <laughs> Gambit and come right to his house in St. Louis. He'll be more than happy to welcome you in.
1: Yeah, go ahead and send me a message on Twitter <laughs> at Tim you. I'll uh, I'll give you directions. Make sure he'll, to tell
2: him how remediable he is.
1: <laughs> he'll
0: have the gumbo ready. <laughs>